0: I'm Andrea Hope, and this is To Mother. Episode 45, Writing Your Will and Testament. Hey lovelies, I'm Andrea Hope, a Baha'i mom and poet, among many other things, and this is my podcast, To Mother, where I share my recommendations and insights about parenting with purpose in the modern world. So I share some quotes from the Baha'i writings that inspire me, some practical tips and resources, and sometimes my poetry. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about writing your will and testament. Before we start, I just wanted to say that, as you know, we are commemorating the Ascension of Baha'u'llah this week. So if you'd like to hear more about commemorating that holy day, if you're not familiar with the term commemorate, we use celebrate generally when we're talking about a joyous holiday and commemorate when we're talking about a holy day where we're honoring or respecting an event, but it's not necessarily a celebratory occasion. So we would celebrate the festival of Rizwan and we would commemorate the Ascension of Baha'u'llah. For more information about the Ascension of Baha'u'llah, please see episode 12. And there is an updated template for the Shrine of Baha'u'llah craft that's available on my Etsy store. Since I won't be specifically talking about the Ascension of Baha'u'llah, I wanted to do something that is closely related to Baha'u'llah for this week's podcast episode. So I decided to talk about writing your will and testament. Because when Baha'u'llah passed away, it was in his will that we found that Abdu'l-Baha would be the center of the covenant. And one of the laws of the Baha'i faith is that every adult should have a will. And so this is something that's very important. Not only is it important for legal reasons in this earthly life, but it is a law of our faith. And I have found that a lot of friends that I have... Have n't written their will as an adult, I didn't write mine until I started to serve at the Baha'i World Center, and I realized, you know, this is a a law just like any other law that I want to uphold. So I can totally understand why it would be difficult for people to write one. You maybe don't understand the legal implications or what goes into a will, or it's just intimidating to write about the possible loss of your life. Um, but I think as parents, it's particularly important for us because if your children are minors, at the very least, you want to appoint someone as the legal guardian so you know that your children will be cared for by someone that you love and trust. So we'll get into that more later. I generally don't like to do disclaimers because I think there are often just common sense but I have had enough experience on the internet to know that I should do a disclaimer so I will say here that I'm not an attorney I am not offering you legal advice obviously you're going to have different circumstances depending on your background and your family life if you're married divorced if your children are all biological or adopted or you're taking care of children that you haven't formally adopted so I don't know the answer to all of those questions but I do like to read and I like to collect information so I'm just sharing with you the advice that I have gotten from attorneys and from reading about this in the Baha'i writings as well as in the legal documentations of the United States. So that's the other thing, is that the information that I know about is going to be information from the United States, and it would be interesting if anyone wants to email me at info at andreahope.org to see how different countries um, approach the will and testament or the legalities of your estate after you pass away differently. So definitely let me know if you have some major differences in your country or if it's pretty much the same. We're going to start with a quote from the Katabi Akhtas, The Most Holy Book, which talks about the law of writing a will. <music> Unto everyone hath been enjoying the writing of a will, the testator should head this document with the adornment of the most great name, Bear witness therein unto the oneness of God in the dayspring of his revelation, and make mention, as he may wish, of that which is praiseworthy, so that it may be a testimony for him in the kingdoms of revelation and creation, and a treasure with his Lord, the supreme protector, the faithful. And again, unto everyone hath been enjoined the writing of a will. The testator should head this document with the adornment of the most great name, Bear witness therein unto the oneness of God in the dayspring of his revelation, and make mention, as he may wish, of that which is praiseworthy, so that it may be a testimony for him in the kingdoms of revelation and creation, and a treasure with his Lord, the supreme protector, the faithful. Here we see that the writing of a will is enjoined upon everyone, And that one of the main purposes of writing this will is to show your commitment to the cause of God and to make it clear that you are a believer in God. So it says to adorn it with the most great name which could be Ya Baha'u'llah Pah, or God the Most Glorious, O God the Glorious, and then to write whatever is praiseworthy that you're bearing witness to the oneness of God, to your belief in the Baha'i Faith and the revelation of God. So that's something that's very different from having a will in the lawful legal sense, is that you're going to begin your will by proclaiming your faith in God, and that is one of the purposes of it. I have read in the Baha'i writings, there's prayers about wanting to be steadfast to your last day. And sometimes I think, oh, how could it happen that in someone's last day, that they would just change their mind, you know? But you never know, (laughs) you know, what's going to happen and what circumstances might overcome you. So I think having this will and testament where you have announce that this is your faith and this is what you believe, that can also be a protection to you that you have put it in writing that this is your faith and this is what you hold dear. Along those lines, my living the life tip is to set a yearly deadline for your will and testament. The will and testament is something that I think should be updated every year or at least checked on every year to see if your circumstances have changed. Within a year, you could have another child, you could move to a different city, your family circumstances could have changed. So I think just like something like taxes, where every year you're going to check in about that, we should be looking every year just to make sure that our will and testament is same as we'd like it to be and if not to update it and to get the witnesses or whatever we need to do to make it legal. If you take the pairing idea you could pair it with doing your taxes so you've already just gone through all of the information about your finances so that might be an opportunity for you also to say okay let me go ahead and set this deadline when I do my taxes for when I look at my will and test of it. Another deadline you could consider is the ascension of Baha'u'llah so that's what I'm gonna be doing so I'm gonna talk a bit about about what I know of the will and testament from a perspective of being a Baha'i and the things I've learned from listening to attorneys that might just get you on your feet about <laughs> writing this but it is no way meant to be you know all-inclusive but I will help you with a resource that will really help you set out at least in the United States how to write your will and testament so if you do not write a will and testament there are laws in the Kitabi Actus that explain how your estate is going to be divided up but in the will and testament you have the ability to decide on all of those things so you can of course look at the Kitabi actas and see what kind of laws are in there but you don't have to follow how the estate is distributed in the actas if you write your will so some of the things as parents that we really want to be mindful of i would say the two most important things as a parent is that you're going to write something that proclaims your faith in god and that talks about legal guardianship for your kids So the other things, the benefits of having the will is that you can choose an executor, you can choose a power of attorney, you can put things in there about what you would like for your burial, so you can put it in writing that you want to have a burial that is completely in keeping with the laws of the faith, meaning that you're not going to travel more than a certain distance to be buried, meaning that you're not going to be cremated. So these are all things that you can put in your will and testament to ensure that in your very last experience with this earthly realm, you are still adhering to your beloved Baha'i faith. So for the specific details, you can check the requirements where you live. In order for it to be a legally binding document, you likely have to do more than just write it. and You probably have to sign it and date it and in certain places you have to have two witnesses who are not mentioned in the will or you might even have to go full on and get a notary to sign it. So that's something where you're definitely going to want to just check where you live. The attorneys that I have listened to have suggested strongly suggested that you write it in your handwriting and sign it. It might be easier to type it and print it out, but that could just bring up more questions, you know, it could be easier to manipulate if you do it that way. So The suggestion I've heard is that you do handwrite it, you know, maybe you could type it up to figure out what you want to say if you feel more comfortable on the computer, but that uh, eventually when you want it to be binding that you handwrite it and sign it and then have those witnesses or sign it or whatever the requirements are for where you are. And because we are talking about mothering and parenting in this podcast, I'm going to concentrate on the aspect of the will that has to do with legal guardianship. As Baha'is, we believe that death is a part of life, you know, that it's not the end of anything. It's the start of a new journey in another realm where we're still developing our virtues and we're still connected to our loved ones yet we can still understand that that physical separation can be very difficult especially when we're thinking about being separated from our children and you know knowing the intentions that we have for them and the love we have for them and wondering if someone else will be able to guide them and take care of them in the similar way or with a similar kind of love that we're able to even though this is a challenging thing to think about i think it's something that's so important for us to think about because if we do pass away We want to be able to choose who the people are that are taking care of our children. It's better to make that decision, though it may be difficult, than to not make that decision and have the potential that your children are going to be raised by people who don't have the same values as you or who it would be a greater burden for them to take care of your children, or just for there to be that confusion about who should take the kids, and it could also lead to family disunity if people are not sure what your intentions are. And as I mentioned, you can relook at that decision every year. So just because you decide someone is the best person this year, next year their circumstances change or your circumstances change, then you know that you're going to reassess it. In terms of legal guardianship, first person you might think of is your Parents, and if they are in a position to take care of your children, um, then that could be a really great option. Also, according to their age or what responsibilities they have, it might not be the greatest option for your family. For me, I love my mom, and I think she would be great at raising my children, but I'm not sure that I want to give her that responsibility when she already has eight grandchildren and she has raised us, you know, and she's in a different phase of her life. So I know whoever takes care of our children my mom is going to be a part of my children's lives. So I kind of would like to honor her role as being their grandmother, and I'm not sure that I want to put her in the position of being their full-time caregiver. So another person that people often think about is your siblings. So because they're already in the family, probably your children are close to their cousins or know their cousins. So that's another consideration. Is there a sibling on either side of your family that you would like to raise your children? And in my situation, I... I'm generally not thinking about, oh, I wouldn't want this person to raise my children. I'm usually thinking about the circumstances of those people and whether this would be something that's really manageable for them And because I am close to my family, I feel that my family would support whoever was raising my children. So it becomes a question of, you know, one of my sisters, she has five children. So adding two more, (laughs) is that going to be something that's manageable for her at this period in her life? Like I said, it can change every year. So just thinking about this year. Also, you might have people in your family who are divorced. So they share custody of their children every week or every couple weeks with their ex-husband or their ex-wife, and in that case, what would be the dynamic if they also raised your children? So then it would mean that you know they would have a routine where they have their own children these days and not these days, and then adding your children, they would have to have them full-time because probably they're not going to go with that ex-husband or ex-wife. So yeah, these are just all things that you can take into consideration. The other thing I would say very important to me as a Baha'i is that not everyone in my family is a Baha'i, and I think a lot of us are in that circumstance. So how important is it to you that your children are raised in a Baha'i environment? And is that something that your family members, whether they're Baha'i or not, are going to be willing to put emphasis on. Are they going to be willing to take your children to Baha'i children's classes and make sure that they're exposed to and involved in the faith and reading books and attending Holy Days? So those are all things that I think about in terms of creating my will and testament. So if you have someone in your family that you automatically thought, yeah, definitely it would be this person, then that's great. You can go ahead and probably start writing today. <laughs> um, but these are some things that you can think about. And I would just wanted to make maybe a suggestion that if you are the only Baha'i in your family or if you're in a circumstances where you feel like the majority of your close family members, it might be burdensome for them or difficult for them to take on the responsibility of having additional children, you could think about in your community, if there is a couple or a individual who has not had the opportunity to raise children, who you might be able to give that opportunity to, to give that gift of motherhood or fatherhood to in your passing. You might have a friend who you know would love to have children, but they are facing infertility or, you know, adoption can be very complicated. And so you might say, you know, I want this young Baha'i family to be able to take care of my children with the support of my family. And you can write however specific you want it to be in your world. You can say, I want this family to do it. I wanna give them my house so they can move into my house so that the children don't change their environment. And I want them to be under the guidance or connected with my biological family or the kid's biological family on both sides. So really you can be as detailed as you like it to be. And you know, what that means (laughs) is gonna be interpreted differently by your family and your friends and everything, but you can at least put your intentions out there. Or if you know a family, maybe they have one child and they really would like their child to have siblings and they haven't been able to make that happen, that's another opportunity because you already know that these people would really like to have more children and you trust them. Hopefully, they're in your area so they already have a relationship with your children. And then another position, maybe there's a person who never got married, just never found the right person for them, but you believe that they would be a great mother and you believe that they have the support that is needed for them to be able to raise your children in the faith. And so these are all options in your community that you can think about. But you have to really think about what's most important to you, who they're around, um, how they're being brought up or both, or you know, what, what are you going to weigh? So for me, I know I would prefer my children being Polish and American, that they are either raised in the United States or Poland, were I to pass away, to make it easier for them to have connections with their family members, to learn the languages of their parents. And then it's also very important to me that my children are raised in the Baha'i faith. When they become 15, I want them to have that option and feel no pressure of, you know, whether they want to be a Baha'i and whether they want to affirm their faith in Baha'u'llah, and I definitely want them to be exposed to other religions, and I do not feel that if someone is not religious or isn't a Baha'i that they couldn't raise my children well. But if I have the choice, and I do have the choice because it's my will and testament, (laughs) I'm going to write that I want my children to be raised, exposed to the Baha'i faith, and involved in the Baha'i faith. That's another thing that I heard. Um, As a Baha'i, you know, there's certain laws that we might also want to be upheld even in our death. So when we're giving our estate, for example, we're giving our money or giving our estate, our property, our investments, we might want to put something in our will and testament that says I would prefer that this be used in keeping with the principles of the Baha'i faith. So you don't want your investments to be used to start a casino in your name that you know is for gambling or to start a business that is selling alcohol because those are things that are not in keeping with the principles of your faith. So these are things that you don't have to put in your will, but like I said, it's your will. You can make it as detailed as you want. It's your last document, you know? So you can really put in there whatever considerations that you think are most important, and that's an opportunity really for you to think about what considerations are most important. So the resource I wanted to share, generally I try to share resources that are from a Baha'i perspective or written by Baha'is, but I wasn't able to find a book or article or a recording that talks about the practical aspects of writing a will from a Baha'i perspective. I, ha- I did see some articles in general about why we should write a will and what it says in the writings about that. But I really wanted for this as parents to give some practical information. So I'm going to actually be recommending a podcast episode called Writing Your Will by Main Street Business Podcast. Because they really walk you through step by step how you could today just sit down and write your first version of your will that you can develop later or you could decide that this is good enough and this is the one that I'm going to sign. Of course, keep in mind that they're not going to have the part at the very beginning that you're going to want to include the adornment of the most great name and you're going to bear witness to the oneness of God and the day spring of his revelation. But in terms of the legal matters being in the United States, they really make it practical. If you do know a Baha'i that has written a document or given some information about how to both legally and practically write a will and incorporate the teachings of the Baha'i faith, I would love to hear about that. Again, my email is info at andreahope.org. And if you're looking for the link to this podcast episode that I just mentioned, Writing Your Will by Main Street business podcast, I will have that as always as a link in my show notes either at tomother.buzzsprout.com or you can look wherever you're listening to this podcast. So I hope that that made you feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident about writing your will and testament. And I really do hope that you will set a deadline for yourself so that it's not just open-ended, that every year you will consider what is in your will and testament. And I'm doing it with you, okay? Like I said, I did write one, but it's been a little while since I updated it. So that's gonna be my goal for the Ascension of Baha'u'llah. And I'm gonna end this with a poem that I wrote. I'm a person who is not afraid of death, and I do really believe that life continues. And I wrote this poem, I think maybe last year or the year before. I think it was before the pandemic. (laughs) So I was thinking about death and my own uh, mortality before the pandemic. And I wrote this poem called If I Should Die Today, which is what I'm going to share for the closing of this podcast. I will not tell you to be happy, for grief at times must reign. But if you shed warm tears of mourning, pray not shed them for my sake. I have known the love of many. I have lived for love of one. When the ancient beauty summons on the wind songs, I will come. No, the time was not too short for both blood and ink to flow. Other worlds beckon for poets. Who am I to tell them no? To Mother is an individual initiative and provides only the personal reflections and insights of its creator, that's me. For more information about the Baha'i Faith, including access to the official writings and contacts for Baha'is in your community, please visit Baha'i.org.